morning, great people. I am your host, JB the Great, and you're tuned in to another episode of Crypto and Chill. Matter of fact, this is episode 18. I'm sorry I couldn't drop yesterday. Um, I try to drop every Wednesday, but yesterday, man, I was just so busy and, and I just didn't have the time. So I'm trying to make up for today. So excuse me for dropping on Thursday when I, I try to get a, a new episode to you guys every Wednesday but I hope you guys are doing good out there I hope you guys are doing great matter of fact I hope you guys are doing amazing I hope you guys are staying safe and I hope you guys aren't panicking too much with these prices within the crypto space on the prices that are on these charts man I know a lot of things are in the red we kind of don't know which way the prices are going to go but I hope you're not panicking I hope you're not selling your whole bags of everything I hope you not investment advice, but out me personally, I I, I I I accumulated a few more uh, utility-based tokens, some some noty uh, noty uh, crypto assets that are at some great entry points that, that I believe um, XRP, XDC, Algo, Cardano, just to name a few, ICP, just to name a few people. Um, but anyway, let's dive into it. We're going to start this off with, we're going to start with Ripple. We're going to dive into Ripple now. So a few more rulings have came out. Well, the SEC and Ripple submitted motions and whatnot, and the SEC's motion was granted in part, and they pretty much asked for some more time, uh, another delay re- revolving around the speech in this documents something that the judge has ruled on who knows how many times the judge has ruled on this so many times that i've lost count but but matter of fact yeah let's go and get into that let's get into that let me pull up the motion real quick and then we're going to jump to another topic that ripple is doing on a business sense so and this was submitted this was uh this was submitted two days ago, and I give credit to James K. Filing. Uh, he made it public that in a text order, Judge Netburn granted in part the SEC's request for extension of time regarding reconsideration of her DPP ruling. The order provides as follows: The SEC's request is granted in part. The SEC may file any motion for reconsideration by February the 17th, 2022. And the defendants may file their response by February 25th, 2022. No reply briefs are permitted. Briefs shall be limited to 10 pages, double-spaced. And the publicly filed versions should be minimally redacted. The SEC may submit 10 additional documents for in-camera review along with this motion. The deadline for either party to file an objection to Judge Torres from the court's January 13, 2022 opinion and order is stayed until 14 days from a decision on motion for reconsideration. So, the SEC was successful in buying more time, which looks to be a part of their strategy. They're playing a waiting game and Ripple is playing right along with them because Ripple has the funds to wait as long as they need to and the SEC is backed by the government so they have unlimited funds as well so this is pretty much just a waiting game and the XRP holders are really just casualties in, in the middle of this war 
Um, I don't see how either side is looking out for us retail holders, but you know who knows, man? Who knows what happens with the case? With this case, I, I pretty much done lost hope for it. Not in a sense to where I feel like Ripple and Ripple will lose and XRP will be will be classified as a security. But I done just I've given up in in like hoping for a speedy resolution, man. Like it's, it's it's well over a year now, and this case is still going on. It don't seem to be speeding up at any point. Uh, expert dis- discovery is still going on, and who knows when it comes down to to that deadline? Who's to say it won't be another deadline? Some kind of way pushing that back out, but you know. So to kind of move forward a little bit, um, we have Ripple on the business sense, and they came out with some news a day ago. And this is uh, credit to Ripple, credit to Brad Garlinghouse, the CEO of Ripple. Ripple X full speed ahead on establishing a multitude of capabilities to the XRP ledger, NFTs, CBDCs, interoperability, bridges, side chains, and so much more. Working hand in hand with devs and partners around the world is a multi-chain world after all. And my bad about that people I read the last tweet first but regardless it it still sounds the same but no matter which order you go in but excited to announce Ripple bought back our Series C December 2019 shares at 15 billion dollar at a 15 billion dollar valuation 2022 slowdown is not in our vocabulary even with 2021's headwinds it was our best year on record and Ripple's financial position. $1 billion in the bank is the strongest we've ever been. RippleNet is much more than cross-border payments. It's bringing crypto native services such as liquidity enterprises. Today, the network has a volume run rate $10 billion, more than, greater than $10 billion. Huge props to the team for continuously upping their game and leaning into new capabilities every year. Now, they announced that they, Brad announced that Ripple bought back Series C shares at a $15 billion valuation. Now, let's look into that a little bit. Let's look at an article here. Um, and then we're going to break down the, difference, the differences between, between Series A, B, and C funding and investments. So, Let's get into it. Ripple scores $15 billion valuation. And this is uh, credit to news.bitcoin.com. Ripple scores $15 billion valuation. CEO says financial position is strongest ever despite SEC lawsuit over XRP. Ripple has bought back shares from its Series C funding round, which raised the company's valuation to $15 billion. According to CEO Brad Garlinghouse, he added that despite the lawsuit by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, over the status of XRP cryptocurrency, Ripple's, Ripple had, had the best year on record. Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse announced via Twitter Wednesday that Ripple has bought back its Series C shares at, 15, at a $15 million valuation. The CEO described that even with 2021's headwinds, it was our best year on record. Now, in December 2000, in December 2019, the company raised 200 million dollars in the Series C funding round, 
led by Tetragon. SBI Holdings and Route 66 Ventures also participated. Interesting. I, I had a car warranty through uh, Route 66. They're, they're a great company. Um, one of the best warranty companies I've ever had. I've ever had to deal with. Now, when you have an issue with your car, if this is the, I'm pretty sure it's the same Route 66. I don't. I'm sure another company wouldn't have the same name. So, like I said, when I was with Route 66, they get things done. If you have any type of issue with your car that that, that a warranty would cover. All you got to do is take it to the dealership or take it to the workshop or whoever. And you contact your, their warranty, Route 66. Man, they coming through ASAP. Like, there, <laughs> it's no delay in time or anything. You just need to put them, put the representative on the phone with uh, with the customers, with the with the uh, cashier at the dealership or the workshop. And, you know, they'll tell them everything that's wrong. And cool, boom, they'll send them a check. You won't have to do anything. It's, you know, it's great great service I, I had a great experience with them anyway back to it um noting that slowdown is not in ripples vocabulary for 2022 garlinghouse proceeded to explain the progress of RippleNet and ripple x and follow-up tweets wednesday regarding RippleNet, he said that the network has a volume run rate of more than 10 billion dollars today in addition ripple x is establishing a multitude of capabilities to the xrp legend NFTs, CBDCs, interoperability bridges, side chains, and so much more to executive uh, explain. Now, note that they bought those shares back from Tetragon. So here we have, um, now we're going to bring up, I'm not sure if I want to read this one first or explain what a series is. Let's let's go. Let's read this one first. And it's uh, Ripple Ripple investors request to reclaim its 175 million dollar investment rejected by court. Tetragon lost its bid to reclaim its portion of a 200 million series 200 million dollar series C investment in the blockchain company. One of Ripple Labs' largest financial backers lost its bid to reclaim its $175 million investment in the blockchain company. A Delaware court denied the, denied the multi-billion asset manager Tetragon Financial Group's request to redeem its Ripple equity for cash in the midst of an ongoing legal battle between Ripple and the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. So, Tetragon had previously tried to sue Ripple Interesting enough, Ripple just bought back shares from Tetragon and gave them a 50% profit. Back to the top, back to the article. UK-based Tetragon filed suit in January to reclaim its portion of the $200 million Series C financing of the blockchain company it led in 2019. The suit also aimed to freeze Ripple's liquid assets until it paid up. So from what, I, what I've read so far on that lawsuit, it was not pretty at all. They even tried to go as far as freezing all of Ripple's assets until they paid their money. So I don't know what could have been so bad um, for Tetragon to want to do this to Ripple, but maybe they'll explain it as we read on. Uh, Ripple called the lawsuit meritless at the outset, saying at the time Tetragon only had a case if the SEC determined XRP to be a security. Hmm. 
So, Ripple called the lawsuit meritless at the outset, saying at the time Tetragon only had a case if the SEC determined XRP to be a security. That was back in 2009. Well, not sure when this case was filed. Let me see if it's a date. This was 2021. So I guess this all this lawsuit and everything happened between Tetragon and Ripple back in 2021. Um, that's when this article was published. So 2021, it had to have been. 2021, the SEC files a lawsuit. Well, 2021, Tetragon filed a lawsuit against Ripple and wanting this money back I'm guessing I'm assuming in reference to XRP being labeled as security so let's get back to the article the terms of the initial investment gave Tetragon the right to redeem its Ripple equity if XRP was found to be a security so a lot of people are happy about well I'm not going to say a lot of people are happy it's about 50-50 I, I, I've been seeing on my timeline it's mixed emotions about Ripple buying back the shares some people saying they buying them back um, to limit the uh, the burden if XRP is, is deemed a security and some people say they that Ripple is putting themselves in a better financial position by buying back all the, the shares because they know what Ripple will eventually be worth once this SEC lawsuit against XRP is behind it so me I'm in the middle I'm I'm not too happy about it I'm not too you know I see things for what it is you know and I look at the reality of all situations so maybe who knows Ripple may have bought it back to go ahead and end this to go ahead and end the possibility of Tetragon bringing a future lawsuit against it if XRP is deemed a security or Ripple could have, could have bought them back because they see more potential in Ripple who knows XRP um, and back to the article S- XRP is no more a security after the SEC filed the, for- the enforcement action than it was before the court said as quoted in a Ripple press release the enforcement action by contrast asks that question. The question is not yet resolved. So a determination has not yet been made. Hmm. And quote unquote, let's call Tetragon's lawsuit what it is. An opportunity an opportuni- an opportunistic move to take advantage of, S- of the SEC's allegations. What has always been clear and made so even more today is that the SEC still has to try to prove their case in court which do which we do not believe they will be able to do Ripple said in a statement so y'all let me know do, why do y'all think Ripple bought back all these shares now if XRP is deemed a security is Ripple going to buy them back buy all the XRP back from everybody that holds XRP hmm something to think about so now let's get into the different meanings the different definitions of these different series funding you got series A you got series B you got series C funding how it works 
A startup with a brilliant business idea is aiming to get its operations up and running from humble beginnings. The company proves the worthiness of its model and products, steadily growing thanks to the generosity of friends, family, and the founders' own financial sources resources. Over time, its customers' base begins to grow, and the business begins to expand its operations and its aims. Before long, the company has risen through the ranks of its competitors to become highly valued, opening the possibilities for future expansion to include new offices, employees, and even an initial public offering, an IPO. In the early stages of the hypothetical business detailed above seem too good to be true. It's because they generally are. While there are a very small number of fortunate companies that, that grow according to the model described above, and with little or no outside help, the large major- majority of successful startups have engaged in many efforts to raise capital through rounds of external funding. These funding rounds provide outside investors the opportunity to invest cash in a growing company in exchange for equity or partial partnership, or partial ownership of that company. When you hear discussions of Series A, Series B, and Series C funding rounds, these terms are referring to the to this process of growing a business, of growing a business through out through an outside investment. There are other types of funding rounds available to startups depending upon the industry and the level of interest among potential investors. It's not uncommon for startups to engage in what is known as seed funding or angel investor funding at the outset. Next, these funding rounds can be followed by Series A. B and C funding rounds as well as additional efforts to earn capital as well if appropriate. Series A, B, and C are necessary ingredients for a business that decides bootstrapping or merely surviving off of generosity of friends, family, and the depth of their own pockets would not suffice. And you guys gotta excuse me, man. My nose is is, is seems like it's, it's uh, partially stuff. I don't know if I'm coming down with a cold or what, but why I'm, I'm having a hard time here not hard but you know it's you know know what it is when you have a cold and you know stuff and you're trying to pronounce words and it's coming out kind of at a crazy so y'all know what i'm talking about below we'll take a closer look at what these funding rounds are how they work and what sets them apart from one another the path for each startup is somewhat different as is the timeline for funding many businesses spend months or even years in search of funding while others particularly those with ideas seen as truly revolutionary or those attached to individuals with a proven track record of success may bypass some of the some of the rounds of funding and move through the process of building capital more quickly. Now, when you think of Ripple, and this is me talking, when you think of Ripple, you definitely see something that's revolutionary. You see a, a fintech company that could truly revolutionize, revolutionize the world, not just the United States. I mean the world. With the technology behind their, their, the XRP ledger, the business model, the XRP digital asset, man, they could really revolutionize the world. So, you know, when, you, when you're reading this stuff, man, it makes sense. Once you understand the distinction between these rounds, it will be easier to analyze headlines regarding the startup and investing world by grasping the context of what exactly a round means for the, prospect, for the prospects and direction of a company. Series A, B, and C funding rounds are merely stepping stones in the process of turning an ingenuous idea into a revolutionary global company ripe for an IPO. Now, 
how funding works. Before exploring how a round of funding works, it's necessary to identify the different participants. First, there are the individuals hoping to gain funding for their company. As the business becomes increasingly mature, it tends to advance through the funding rounds. It's common for a company to begin with a C round and continue with A, B, and then C funding rounds. On the other side are potential investors, while investors wish for business to succeed because they support entrepreneurship and believe in the aims and the causes of those businesses, they also hope to gain something back from their investment. For this reason, nearly all investments made during one or another stage of developmental funding is arranged such that the investor or investing company retains partial ownership of the company. If the company grows and earns a profit, the investor will be rewarded uh, commensurate with the investment made. Before any round of funding begins, analysts undertake evaluation of the company in question. Valuations are derived from many different factors, including management, proven proven track record, market size, and risk. One of the key distinctions between funding rounds has to do with the valuation of the business, as well as the maturity level and growth prospects. In turn, these factors impact the types of investors likely to get involved and the reasons why the company may be seeking new capital. Pre-seed funding. The early stage of funding a new company comes so early in the process that it is not generally included among the rounds of funding at all. Known as pre-seed funding, this stage typically refers to the period in which a company's founders are first getting their operations off the ground. The most common pre-seed funders are the founders themselves as well as close friends, supporters, and family depending upon the nature of the company and the initial costs set up with developing the business idea, this funding stage can happen very quickly or may take a long time. It's also likely that investors at this stage are not making an investment in exchange for equity in the company. In most cases, the investors in a pre-seed funding situation are the company founders themselves. So, let me see if I can uh, scroll down a little bit because it's a nice little article. Let's go down to the to the lettering of it. Series A funding. Once a business has developed a track record and established a user base, consistent revenue figures, or some other key performance indicator, that company may opt for Series A funding in order to further optimize its user space and product offerings. Opportunities may be taken to scale the product across different markets in this round. It's important to have a plan for developing a business model that will generate long-term profit. Oftentimes, seed startups have great ideas that generate a a substantial amount of enthusiastic users, but the company doesn't know how it will monetize the business. Typically, a a Series A round raised approximately $2 million to $15 million, but this number has increased on average due to sorry about that people my apologies my mic went out for whatever reason but we're gonna jump right back into it man we're gonna thug it out man we don't we don't care about these little issues we're gonna we're gonna thug this we don't thug this stuff out series b funding series b rounds are all about taking businesses to the next level past the development stage Investors help startups get there by expanding market reach. 
companies that have gone through seed and series a funding rounds have already developed substantial user bases and have proven to investors that they are prepared for success on a larger scale series b funding is used to grow the company so that it can meet these levels of demand building a winning product and growing a team requires quality talent acquisition bulking up on business development sales advertising tech support and employees cost a firm cost a firm a few pennies the average estimated capital uh, raised in a series b round is 33 million dollars companies undergoing a series b funding round are well established and the valuations tend to reflect that most series b companies have valuations between 30 million and 60 million dollars with an average 58 million dollars series b appears similar to series a in terms of the process and key players series b is often led by many of the same characters as the earlier round including a key anchor investor that helps to draw in other investors the difference with series b is the addition of a new wave from other venture capital firms that specialize in later stage investing now series c funding we know that ripple just bought back the series c shares from tetragon so let's check out what series c is businesses that make it to series c funding sessions are already quite successful so ripple was already quite successful at a 15 billion dollar valuation <laughs> quite successful is a is an understatement they are very successful these companies look for additional funding in order to help them develop new products expand into new markets or even to acquire other companies in series c rounds investors inject capital into the meat of successful businesses in an effort to receive more than double that amount back series c funding is focused on scaling the company growing as quickly and as successful as possible successfully as possible one possible way to scale a company could be to acquire another company imagine a hypothetical startup focused on creating vegetarian alternatives to meat products if this company reaches a series c funding round it has likely already shown unprecedented success when it comes to selling its products in the united states the business has already probably already reached targets coast to coast through confidence in market research and business planning investors reasonably believe that the business will do well in europe Perhaps this vegetarian startup has a competitor who currently possesses a large share of the market. The competitor also has a competitive advantage from which the startup could benefit. The culture appears to fit well as investors founders both believe the merger would be a synergistic partnership. In this case, Series C funding could be used to buy another company. As the operation gets less risky, more investors come to play. In Series C, groups such as hedge funds, investment banks, private private equity firms, and large secondary market groups accompany the type of investors mentioned above. The reason for this is, the co- is that the company has already proven itself to have a successful business model. These new investors come to the table expecting to invest significant sums of money into companies that are already thriving as means of helping to secure their own position as business leaders. Most, co- most commonly, a company will end its external equity funding with Series C. However, some companies can go on to Series D and even Series E rounds of funding as well. 
for the most part those companies gaining up to hundreds of millions of, of dollars in funding through series c rounds are prepared to continue to develop on a global scale many of these companies utilize series c funding to help boost their valuation in anticipation of an ipo at this point companies enjoy valuations in the area of 118 million dollars most often although some some companies going through series c funding may have valuations value valuations much higher these valuations are also funded increasingly on hard data rather than the expectations for future success Companies engaging in Series C funding should have established strong customer base, revenue streams, and proven histories of growth. Companies that do continue with Series D funding tend to either do so because they are in search of a final push before an IPO, or alternative, because they have not yet been able to achieve goals they set out to accomplish during Series C funding. So, you still have to ask yourself, why did Ripple buy back its Series C share of their company? Is it to, I mean, it could have been because Tetragon truly didn't believe in the long-term mission of Ripple, and neither did it, did it believe in XRP. So, if I was Ripple, I probably would have did the same thing. If I have a, 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 a pretty wealthy investor like Tetragon backing me and they truly don't believe in me then at, te- at that point you have to question the motives behind why are they really backing you if they don't truly believe like if, if you have a set of investors and they truly believe in your mission they truly truly believe in your company your product they're going to ride and stick with you through the whole duration of the lawsuit they're not going to say oh okay since the SEC is doing this we're going to do this and you owe us this if oh man sit on the sidelines wait for everything to play out and act accordingly don't don't get over yourself you know if XRP is considered a security that means you get more I would think you would get more back or I don't know if they believe that if XRP is considered to be a security that it puts it will put Ripple out of business maybe that's their thinking maybe they're so nervous about this lawsuit they're thinking that if Ripple is basing its, its business model and they have long term thinking for XRP and future goals for XRP and everything they have planned in the future is revolving around XRP if XRP is considered to be a security then how can Ripple move forward and accomplish their set out goals so you know who knows man we don't we don't know the compensations that happened between Ripple and Tetragon but we do know that they were involved in in a in a in a lawsuit and not and one that didn't seem so friendly at that you know like we know lawsuits are, aren't friendly but you know they they they're somewhat kept at a business sense hey man it's just speculation who knows who knows but let's move on going to shift gears here in other news we have NSAF which is short for uh, Net Savings Link Inc and they acquire stake in BQuakes and BQuakes I'm not too familiar with that exchange but they acquired a stake in BQuakes crypto exchange and over 4 million registered users 
further expanding expanding presence in the two trillion dollar global cryptocurrency market uh net savings link inc a cryptocurrency blockchain and digital asset technology co- company today announced that the company has completed its acquisition of a significant 10 percent stake in leading cryptocurrency exchange bquex and thereby closing NSAF's largest transaction since its entrance into the $2 trillion global cryptocurrency market. BQuex Exchange has over 4 million registered users and is owned and operated by the Metaverse Network. Based on published reports replacing a $95 value on each registered user, 4 million registered, registered users would value BQuex Crypto Exchange at an estimated $380 million and therefore value NSAF's 10% stake at an estimated $38 million. W.Y. Shung, CEO of MNC, stated, We are very excited about this transaction, and we believe the synergy effort effect between our two parties will, will be in multiple folds. We continue to be ever more excited to be working with the management team of NSAF. Dato Sri Desmond Lim, Interim CEO and Senior Vice President of Cryptocurrency Operations for NSAF and Silver Bear Capital Partners stated, We are in line with building the global community into our ecosystem and forming a solid base for other acquisitions and projects to grow NSAF. I am thrilled that we are continually commercializing the relationship between NSAF and Metaverse Network. It's definitely something to keep an eye on. What I don't get is... It just seems the U.S., the United States is is so negative towards cryptocurrencies and, and I'm, I'm going to just say cryptocurrencies, not necessarily blockchain. Maybe they value actual blockchain technology, but as far as cryptocurrencies, it seems like they have a stigma against everything except Bitcoin. They love Bitcoin for whatever the reason may be, um, but recently... Um, I think it was the, I want to say the IMF, I believe, went to El Salvador and tried to get him to to not make Bitcoin legal tender. So it's still some areas that really don't like Bitcoin, neither do they like the blockchain. But I, I don't know, man. I don't know what's wrong with our world. Um, of course, cryptocurrencies can be used for all type of negative things, but at the same time, you also have legit companies that are building great things that can transform that can transform our world and, and our state of living with these technologies, man. And you just can't throw everything in one basket and label everything as the same. And, and these politicians and these government officials are so close-minded. They're so old. They're so up in age, and they're stuck in their ways. They can't even. Un- they, I, they highly doubt that they understand the technologies behind these things. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's like arguing with a wall when you're trying to get the government to do anything positive for its its citizens. But on another topic, Facebook's cryptocurrency venture to wind down sale assets. Deem Association is selling its technology to crypto-focused bank Silvergate Capital for $200 million. Facebook's ambitious effort to bring cryptocurrency to the masses has failed. The Deem Association, the consort, 
the consortium the consortium facebook founded in 2019 to build a futuristic payments network is winding down and selling its technology to a small california bank that serves bitcoin and blockchain companies for about 200 million dollars a person familiar with the matter said the bank silvergate capital corp had earlier reached a deal with Ding to issue some of the stable coins which are backed by hard dollars and designed to be less volatile than bitcoin and and other digital currencies that were at the heart of the effort the sale represents an effort to squeeze some remaining value from a venture that was challenged almost from the start facebook now meta platforms inc launched the project in 2019 as libra pitching it as a way for the social network's billions billions of users to spend money as easily as sending a text message bloomberg earlier reported that dean was considered selling its assets Libra brought on well-known partners in e-commerce and payments, including PayPal Holdings, Visa, and Stripe, in part to signal buy-in from finance industry and in part to distance the project from Facebook itself, which was under pressure by policing its platform. Partners agreed to join the Libra Association, uh, a Switzerland-based group that would that would govern the stablecoin and pony up millions millions of dollars each to develop the project. But it almost immediately ran into resistance in Washington. Officials voiced concerns about its effect on financial stability and data privacy and worried Libra could be misused by money launderers and terrorist financiers. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said the central bank had serious concerns. Early backers dropped out and Mark Zuckerberg was called before Congress where he defended Facebook's plan to bring financial services to the world's underbank. And who's to say he was lying about that? Who's to say he had some ill intentions for this, this Libra project? Who's to say that? I see it, man. You have once again our government who were probably in fear of the United States dollar dominance and power and they see how popular Facebook is, they see how how much it's out there to the masses, how almost everyone is everyone and their mom and their grandma and their aunties are on Facebook so if you get all of those people I'm pretty sure it's over a billion users, I'm, I'm not too sure how many users uh, Facebook has Let's, let's do a quick research. Let's do a quick uh, info gathering. How many users does Facebook have? Facebook have. Okay, see, number of Facebook users in the world. Monthly active users, 2.9 billion. billion. Now, if you, if you get all of those people tapped into the Libra project with whatever stable coin they have on it that's a lot of influence just simply on that project alone so and I understand Facebook has a lot of problems and they've been caught doing a lot of things so when the United States brings up concerns about privacy while at the same time trying to introduce a, a CBDC that would also invade privacy if not structured right how can how can you balance that out 
how can you say yours is better than theirs? How can how they how can the United States say anything they put out is better than what's already out? If they if they were so concerned about privacy, y'all, oh man, truth be told, all our privacy is already compromised, right? We're signed up to so many websites and so many subscriptions or whatnot. All our information is out there. These companies have been selling our information for who knows how long. But yet, the United States are concerned about privacy when it comes to a stable coin, something used to purchase things and, and, and make transactions online. Come on now. It, it, it's more than what they what they put out there. So that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, in 2020, the group recruited Stuart Levy, a former U.S. Treasury official and top lawyer at HSBC Holdings, a chief executive and dish Libra name in favor of them. The stablecoin deal with Silvergate was part of a revamp last year meant to appease regulators. David Marcus, the meta executive who oversaw the launch of what would become them, left the company last year. So... I guess Meta, man, they done scrapped the whole project. They putting it up for sale. They, I, if I was them, I wouldn't want to deal with the headache of, of what's her name, Elizabeth uh, Warren, Warren and Janet Yellen and Gary Gensler. And, man, these people are sick, man. They're like vampires just sucking the life and sucking the blood out of innovation and, and, and just honest people in the United States, man. It's like they're... It's like they're almost on purpose trying to stall the United States and put the United States on an, on an unlevel playing field when it comes to all these other areas like China or whatnot, Singapore, UK. It's like they don't want the United States to be ahead, but at the same time, they claim they want the United States dollar to remain the dominant out of everything. They want the, they want to, they stand on that United States dollar more than anything else. It's all about the power in the United States dollar, which is insane because a lot of this innovation can help propel the United States dollar so it won't be be any threats toward it. But like I said, they're so stuck in their ways. They're way past their term limits should be. But obviously, there is no term limits within the government. So in certain areas, might I add, but we got this next topic, man. We got... uh, Bruxelles member of parliament to take full 2022 salary in Bitcoin. So it's like you see, you read some good news and then you read some bad news and then you read some good news. Like it's all over the place when it's dealing with crypto, but all publicity is sometimes good publicity, but not in the case of crypto, man. Like look at the prices. Look at the prices. Been trading sideways, been at a downtrend for the longest now. So it's just. They nobody knows what to expect when it comes, you know, when it comes from these regulators and the government. But the game theoretic aspect of Bitcoin adoption is shown as politicians around the world race to establish the most welcoming place for the industry. Christopher D. Becula, a Bruxelles member of parliament, announced he will take his full 2022 salary in Bitcoin in an effort to raise awareness about the digital currency in Europe and spark conversations around its usage across different areas of society. I am the, quote-unquote, I am the first in Europe, but not in the world, to want to shine the spotlight on cryptocurrencies with such an approach. 
Day Becula said in a blog post, I think it's not too late for Brussels and Belgium to be at the forefront of the cryptocurrency industry. We already have some great companies in in the field, but it's time to position ourselves clearly and create a real ecosystem. Man, imagine if the United States, if if all the government officials and government bodies said this, you know how bullish that would be for all of crypto? A wave of politicians has recently made the headlines with similar announcements. But while most of these pioneers have been from North America, D. Becular is taking the initiative to the East. De Bruxelles deputy said his move intends to wake up Europe to the potential benefits of Bitcoin in the region, as the U.S. and Canada have so far led with clear actions to get ahead in terms of, of adoption. Mayor of Miami, Francis Sorez, last year set out on a mission to make his city the U.S. capital of Bitcoin after pushing welcoming legislation that would allow city city employees to get paid in additional currency and enable citizens to pay city, to pay city fees in Bitcoin. Despite the suggested laws being installed, Sorez took the initiative to get paid in Bitcoin indirectly by converting his paycheck to BTC through the Lightning Payments app strike soon after Sorez took large strides to attract the cryptocurrency industry to his city New York City Mayor Eric Adams joined the friendly competition by announcing similar measures mostly around the the intention to become an innovation hub for Bitcoin related products and services Adams also converted some of his paycheck to Bitcoin Dave Beckler said getting paid in Bitcoin during his year serves as a means to attract attention to peer-to-peer currency in the old continent, which despite housing notable companies in the industry risk lacking behind North American markets. Okay, that's all fine and Danny, that's cool. You're getting paid in Bitcoin, but what are you doing to promote? What are you actually doing to promote, I guess, Bitcoin on the forefront? And, and to promote businesses to be created around cryptocurrencies you know it's cute it looks good it's, it, it's good for the news but what are you actually doing to make your city to make your state more crypto friendly and welcoming anybody can take their paycheck in, in, in bitcoin but what is ultimately what is that serving what is that doing I mean, what is that doing? It, I, like, I, I honestly want to know. It's something to think about. Like, these people are just doing it for, for the gimmicks and for the gains, and they know the cryptocurrency. They know the crypto community is large, for the most part, and maybe they're doing it just to gain some type of uh, media attention, some type of fame, recognition. But under the surface, they're not actually doing anything to promote these their states they you know they talk a good game like i see a lot of uh congressmen and sometimes senators go on twitter and they make tweets about certain bills and certain bills that would benefit crypto and this that and the third but it's, it's all a bunch of talk and a bunch of tweets because nothing has actually happened yet there has been no bills passed that are that, that would promote cryptocurrency there has there has been no bills passed that clarifies what makes a, a digital asset a security or non-security. Gary Gensler is still running rapid threatening enforcement actions. So it's, it's people still don't know 
you know what to expect people still don't know then you have the Biden administration getting ready to release a report some type of document some type of agenda on cryptocurrency and, and like I stated on Twitter I'm not too excited about that I'm not too excited about that because so far what has the government done that has been beneficial let alone to the to cryptocurrency but what have the government done that has been beneficial to us as retail investors as citizens as everyday working people what have the government actually done for us really that's about coming from both sides democrat uh, uh, Republican what, what have anyone from the government actually done that has benefited us everything I've seen from the government revolving around crypto has been negative it hasn't been positive it's been negative you know all the good news is coming from out, of, out the country so that's just my thoughts on it that's just my two cents on it man um, somebody let me know what, 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 are the, what is the government actually doing you know, they better hope they get this cryptocurrency thing right or, or a lot of people going to be voted out. A lot of people. A lot of people. But we got a couple more topics, man, and we're going to end the day on it. Um, let's see which one I want to cover first. Um, let's do Tesla. Tesla reports Bitcoin holdings unchanged in Q4. The electric car maker did not buy or sell any of the Bitcoin held on its balance sheet, nor did it record any impairments. The value of Tesla's Bitcoin holdings at the end of the fourth quarter remained unchanged from, from the end of the previous quarter at the $1.26 billion. Previous quarter at $1.26 billion. The electric car maker said in its quarterly earnings, earnings report on Wednesday, Tesla did not buy or sell any Bitcoin in the quarter, nor did it record any impairments to the value of its Bitcoin holdings because the price of Bitcoin was excessively flat from the end of the third quarter to the end of the fourth quarter. In the third quarter, Tesla also did not add to or, add to or reduce its Bitcoin's holdings, but was required to report a $51 million impairment to reflect the decline in the price of the cryptocurrency. According to accounting rules for digital assets, if the price of an asset falls during a quarter, a company must reopen it. My apologies once again. My phone went out. Uh, I don't know what's going on today. <laughs> it's trying very hard to make me cut this... Uh, cut this podcast short and cut it off but like I said earlier man we're gonna we're gonna thug through it and we're gonna continue to record this podcast no matter what type of delay it, it, it is occurring we're gonna continue to thug this out now I have a couple more uh, articles um and then we're gonna close it out on my terms not not the world's turn but the, but my terms because they're trying to cut me out for whatever reason I don't know but this next article is titled why is Bitcoin's price dropping the price of Bitcoin has generally been declining since November although the cryptocurrency's sharp price decline this week was likely triggered by rumors on Friday January the 21st related to the US regulation of digital assets key takeaways uh, Bitcoin's price on Tuesday, January 25th, was nearly 50% below its November high. 
Rumors of a forthcoming U.S. government strategy to regulate digital assets may have triggered the current sell-off. Gradual belt tightening by the U.S. Federal Reserve may also be contributing to Bitcoin's price drop. The price of Bitcoin is likely to be increasingly correlated with the prices of other assets. Unidentified sources within the Biden administration said last week that the government is developing a strategy to address the economic, regulatory, and national security challenges posed by Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. The administration is reportedly also examining examining the opportunities created by the rise of digital assets with the Biden administration strategy potentially being made public as soon as February. This likely report from the administration's while welcomed by those who believe that Bitcoin can benefit from greater regulatory certainty, has triggered some traders to sell their big, sell their Bitcoin holdings. Bitcoin's price dropped from more than sixty-eight thousand to current levels just above thirty-seven thousand, is equivalent to the cryptocurrency losing nearly half of its value. The price of Bitcoin is also being affected by the policy changes by the U.S. Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve Chair. Jerome Powell said in December last year that the Federal Open Market Committee would double the monthly rate at which it reduces asset purchases. The Federal Reserve is now purchasing $20 billion less of U.S. Treasury securities each month and reducing by $10 billion each month its purchases of U.S. agency securities. In his post-meeting press conference on January 26, 2022, Powell indicated that the that the FOMC will adhere to the bond purchase schedule that it announced in December the 2021. While the Fed funds rate, while the, while the Fed funds rate is being kept near zero for now, developments related to inflation may change that. Keeping elevated inflation levels from becoming entrenched remains a key focus for the Fed. Measures enacted by the Fed that are designed to control inflation have had a negative impact on the price of Bitcoin. The values of risky assets like Bitcoin tend to decline in the wake of Federal Reserve making policy changes to become more physically conservative. More broadly, as Bitcoin matures and becomes more widely adopted, the price of Bitcoin is increasingly correlated with the prices of traditional assets like stocks. This growing correlation means that any event that triggers price declines in the traditional markets is likely to, to, trigger, to trigger similar or greater prices decline for Bitcoin. Mm. So now Bitcoin is in, in correlation with the stock market. Great. Great. Just great. I bet that this music to Gary Gensler's ears so he can try to continue to make a case that every crypto asset is a security except Bitcoin and Ethereum for whatever reason but we, we know the reasons we know the reasons now crypto is in for a global regulatory avalanche as the price of Bitcoin Ethereum, BNB, Solana, Cardano XRP trumbles investors fear the crypto winner isn't over as cryptocurrency prices keep tumbling. The price of Bitcoin, the world's largest cryptocurrency, nosedived 47% from an all-time high set in November. Meanwhile, Ethereum's price is down 48%. BNB is down 43%. Cardano down 65%. XRP down 67%. 
and Solana down 65% from their last year's highs. Meanwhile, crypto insider David Marcus, the former head of crypto at Facebook parent Meta, believes cryptos have entered a prolonged period of falling prices. Fear that out-of-hand inflation will prompt central banks to raise rates is one of the biggest narratives, driving cryptos and other financial markets down. Learn why monetary tightening hits riskier assets the harder. Another big worry is a looming regulatory threat. Gary Gensler, the chair of the United States uh, Securities and Exchange Commission, which regulates financial markets, including recently likened the crypto market to the Wild West. He also called for additional congressional authorities to prevent transactions, products, and platforms from falling between regulatory cracks to protect consumers. At the same time, the Biden administration is drafting an executive order that will require virtually all federal agencies to assess the challenges, challenges, opportunities, and threats that cryptos present. Zooming out, regulators around the world seem to be gearing up to clamp down on cryptos in unison. The Russian central bank has called for a blanket ban on domestic cryptocurrency trading and mining. Later, the head of financial policy department at Russia's Ministry of Finance, Ivan, pushed back saying we need to regulate, not ban, adding that regulation is sufficient to protect our citizens, while banning cryptos would hinder the industry's technological development. Elsewhere, Thailand has just announced plans to regulate the use of digital assets as a means of payments for goods and services to avert potential impacts on the country's financial stability and economic system. According to a joint press release from the Bank of Thailand, the Securities and Exchange Commission and Ministry of Finance. However, Ms. Ranavad Sawanmangako, Secretary General of the SEC, stressed that the SEC, as the regulator for digital asset business operators, wants to promote the development of digital asset businesses and places emphasis on utilizing digital assets to develop the country's economy and society. Wow. Imagine if our SEC said that and wasn't so gung-ho on calling it the Wild West and and naming all the negative things it's used for money laundering and, and cyber, all this. Like, come on, man. Come on. Maybe we all need to move to um, uh, Thailand. A few countries have taken a more hard-line stance. For example, this week's Indonesia's financial watchdog, the authorities Jasa, warned financial institutions in the country against offering or facilitating crypto asset sales. Many Islamic institutions in the, large, in the largely Muslim country have called for an outright ban on cryptos because they allegedly they their allegedly speculative nature is contrary to Islamic Islamic tenets. Looking looking ahead, a period of rising interest rates to counter inflation appears to be on the way. That historically has weighed down more speculative areas of the market, including cryptos and equities. That said, with that said, interest rates are rising from very low levels, and given the debt mount the debt mounting governments piled up during COVID, much higher rates aren't sustainable and could be reversible as inflation could be reversed as inflation subsides. So, like I said, you you see some good news one hour, you see some bad news the next, and it's like an ongoing cycle. You don't know 
if things gonna turn out bad or you gonna you don't know if things gonna turn out good but with as much attention as cryptocurrency is getting and the technology that's behind it it's hard to kind of say that it's gonna they're gonna outright kill it now they can kill it they could really all can come together and just band it nationwide right they can do that and they could have been done that my thing is why is it taking so long to either kill crypto or promote it and help help it help it uh innovate what's taking so long do one or the other quit playing around with people quit putting out news reports and putting out articles and reports and and got congress and, and senate senators coming out with tweets and whatnot just do what you're going to do and be done with it it's like at this point they're just stringing along everybody everybody had eyes is bucked and they're looking with like they're, they're worried like you don't know what's going to happen you, you 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 never know what's going to come out of each day when it comes to crypto and the government you never know it's like on one side they want to ban it and kill it and get rid of it and on the other side they want to use it and they want to promote it and they want to yeah, explore all the benefits of the technology and the blockchain so you you don't know which way they're going to go you know at this point you just got to hope the good outweigh the evil right so now last topic man is coinbase close to listing solana ecosystem tokens uh the exchanges stated the exchanges stated mission of listing every allowable crypto is taking a major step forward with plans to list solana's answer to erc20 coinbase is readying readying its trading rails for solana ecosystem tokens Four sources familiar with the plans told Coindesk, the U.S.-based crypto exchange plans to allow withdrawals of SPL or Solana program library tokens. Solana's answer to Ethereum's ERC-20, the sources said. One person added that Solana native USDC with its $4.8 billion in circulating supply will be among the supported assets. Sources said the feature could come online in the, in the near future. Coinbase declined to comment. Listing SPL tokens would appear to mark a major development in Coinbase's token onboarding strategy. Up to now, it has only listed Ethereum-based coins and flagship Layer 1 assets such as Algorand, Algo, and Cosmos Autumn. A review of its listings found Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong's sweeping goal, list every asset where it is legal to do so, he tweeted in June 2021. Increasingly, uh, necessity stop, step, stepping beyond the etherverse that said Solana's landscape of decentralized finance forms for exchanges staking protocols and more is still r- relatively small in terms of market value while ethereum based tokens like Shiba Inu and Chainlink command circulates uh, market capitalization near $10 billion the biggest SBL token by the same metric is Serum at $281 million, according to Coinbase data. It was not immediately clear which regions the trading would first come online or which SBL tokens Coinbase plans to start with. So Solana is getting in the game. It's good to see, man, because Coinbase seems extremely ERC-20 uh, uh, centric. Like if, you, if you look on Coinbase, you go through all the listed coins, all of them, uh, more than likely most of them majority of them damn near all of them are going to say ethereum based 
it's only a certain few you probably can count them on on your hand on or, or both hands which are not ethereum based but majority of the of, of the coin based platform has ethereum based digital assets on there so and on that note man i'm gonna cl- go on and close it out it wasn't uh, for me i'm not gonna i was gonna say it wasn't a good day as far as for me you know the day is just getting started as far as as the podcast goes and, and getting everything out it wasn't a good day but like i said we're gonna thug it out um don't know what's going on like i said yesterday i was extremely busy and still kind of tired from yesterday um trying to get my energy back today but i hope you guys are doing great man like i said stay stay blessed don't give your crypto information to anyone don't give your passwords your c phrases to anyone don't click on any links don't click on any links sent to you via email via text or anything on any websites be mindful your crypto is your money and remember that you know all these cyber attacks hacks and whatnot get you a ledger nano x and be safe man be safe with your keys be safe with your crypto and on that note i'm out enjoy the rest of your days tune in next week